It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And they're walking in with the bases loaded and intentional walk to Barry Bonds. Two and two with the bases loaded and one out. Hello and welcome in to episode 167 of the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Curland, joined as always by my great, fantastic, what many would call my better half in George. You can follow him on Twitter at Roto underscore Nino. You know, I still almost did your old Twitter handle there. And I'm at Mike underscore Curland on Twitter again. Check us out there. George, what's going on, man? What's up, man? <laughs> I'm just trying to change up the intros every, you know me, I I get bored with them. I'm like, it's typical, hell, hey, what's going on? And then it's like, oh, by the way, I'm joined by, as always, George. Um, it's, we don't really, we don't, we should probably get some guests on, but man, that involves us planning and all that. We just go out here and talk baseball these days. Yeah, oh, we, we we make this work. Uh, <laughs> what we got going, so <laughs> we're we're also losing our minds waiting for the CBA to get signed. A whole bunch of like, there's a new deal coming out in a couple of days, but or not deal, new offer from the owners, whatever. It's, yeah, <sighs> I'm still optimistic. I'm I'm holding on to hope, man. I'm I'm still thinking we get something done sooner than later. Maybe no, I'm same stupid, here. but <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm still remaining optimistic, man. I mean, I know it, it's hopeful. <laughs> Maybe that's I the think... word. Hope. I think we're going to see, you know, spring training start with just the minor leaguers for a while. Um, I, I think that's kind of um, to be expected at this point. But, yeah, we'll see what comes out of the proposal. Hope they make some progress. We did get confirmation of the universal DH today. So, I mean, kind of already knew that, though. Uh, and then <laughs> they dropped the draft pick converse, compensation, or at least that's what they're going to be proposing, right? Um, draft pick compensation for the free agents and... Uh, proposing a draft lottery so i don't know just a couple interesting points i guess came out today and uh well we'll see how how it goes this weekend i i just i'm curious why they decide to wait until saturday i mean i don't know maybe uh any bad news will just get swept under the rug of the super bowl (laughs) or which is always which would be hopeful the mlb is going to try and make this whole 
hey, look at us right before the Super Bowl. You know, like we want some of this attention. It won't, we won't get, uh, MLB won't get as much, but I mean, that's the hope. That's the hopes with it. You know what? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, and then I guess there was the NBA trade deadline today. So, uh, I mean, that might even be bigger news at this point. So, uh, I don't know anymore. Man. I'm so I'm out just... of touch with the NBA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it seems like it'd be fun, but I don't know. Like, I, I used to do fantasy basketball, actually. And, but whenever I turn on the NBA, like, if I see a game on, all I see is literally, Team runs down, fouls or shoots a three, gets rebound. Run, the other team runs down, shoots a three. Like there's no, I feel like it's just constant movement. There's, I feel like the game is, it's just changed so much, and I have a hard time getting into it like I used to. But that's basketball. We're talking baseball, and tonight we're doing our three, third base preview, which you probably saw as you clicked on this podcast. And we're gonna pretty much go down the ADP over the last month. Still looking at draft champions ADP. We're, we were looking at OCs. Only nine drafts since the first of the year. So we just decided to stick with the draft champions format in terms of ADP. And we're going to compare that to our ranks and kind of just do what we did with the shortstop or second base, excuse me, second base, second base overlook. So uh, we'll talk draft strategy, all that. Before we get started, please, five-star rating review, greatly appreciated. Spotify now allows ratings. So hit that five-star rating button. It goes a long way. And don't forget to check us out on skplaybook.com. We have a Discord community for as little as $2.99 a month. You could join us and always harass me and George. Why not? Um, come uh, come on, check it out. We also have other you know stuff going on. We're working on the closer chart still. And we're kind of getting everything into gear so we can enter the season and just be full swing on things. I think I covered all the, we're going to call it housewarming again. All the housewarming <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Because you know housekeeping is—it's such an old. We're we're gonna we're gonna get away from that term and go for housewarming. But I digress. Let's get into it. Uh, J Ram at one. No real surprise there. Um, we've talked. I think we've even mentioned taking him as high as one overall. So we don't really have to get into it. The difference so far. ADP has Devers second, Machado third. You and I both have Machado ahead of Devers. What is it for you that has Machado ahead of Devers? Well, I mean. Honestly, I, I think for me, you're kind of just splitting hairs here. I, I would be fine taking either. I haven't found myself um, with much of of either just because the type of drafts that we're doing, you know, um, the, a lot of the draft and holds right now, we're really shooting for those stolen bases, getting those stolen bases um, early on. So for me, I'm just not really going to be pushing up third base. I, I mean... As ugly as the position looks right now, um, just not going to be pushing up third base too much. And r- right now, I'd rather get the steals. So these guys are, yeah, I mean, I, I really don't. But if you are going for either one of these third basemen, I really don't think um, there's a whole lot of difference. I think, you know, Devers offers maybe a little more power ceiling, um, has a little bit more whiff uh, swing and miss in his game. So I don't know, might be a little more volatile. But like you look at the the profiles and, you know, they're. They're awfully similar, and the Machado um, offers a little bit more speed. And then, um, yeah, De- Devers might just have a little more of a power ceiling. But uh, really, that's that's kind of the trade-off here. And, um, yeah, as far as just the third baseman in, in general uh, in a vacuum, I think, yeah, I, I like both of these guys a ton. I think you really can't go wrong. Like in a points league in a, or another format, you know, I, I would definitely, like, 
like in a points league, I would probably, oh man, I think I might go Devers just because he offers that little more power ceiling. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm kind of with you on the Devers and Machado discussion. It really comes down to speed for me as well. Because Devers, you know, last year, five, five out of 10 in 2019, eight out of 16. So you see there's a 50% success rate, two straight seasons. 2020, I left it out because he didn't even attempt a single stolen base in 2020. So Devers, like, although he has stolen eight in the past and five this last year, they let him run over there in in Boston, but I wouldn't bank on it. Whereas Machado, I feel like the floor is closer to 10 versus the ceiling being at best 10 for Devers type of thing. That's really the only difference because, like you said, all things being equal, I'm going to give the edge to speed in Roto formats. Points mm-hmm. leagues, I'll take the power upside as well. Next, we have Austin Riley, and it's kind of like he, I, I put him in a no man's land. You put him in the top of the next tier. I put him in his own, like, because Riley, I feel like he's close to those tier two guys. Not quite there for me yet, but then above these tier four guys. So it's again, we're splitting hairs here. Um, do you believe on? Do you believe in Austin Riley coming into twenty twenty two? Do you think what we saw in twenty twenty one from Riley is going to carry over? Yeah. So I mean, he's kind of been steadily improving uh, since he debuted in twenty nineteen. I would like to see a little more plate discipline um, in his game. I would like to see you know a few more walks um, in his game, but. Uh, I mean, even there, he's kind of been making some strides like in his in his chase rate. You see his chase rate improving year over year, 41% in 2019, 37% in 2020, 34% last year. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a guy really, you know, entering his prime. He's been uh, you know, just 24 years old. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really do like Austin Riley. I, again, this is just a format kind of thing where a lot of the drafts we're doing, where he's going right now, I mean, we're – where was his ADP? Yeah, so pick 65 um, over the last month in in draft champions. That's not terrible. Um, where we got him in our Battle of the Pods draft, like closer to the end of the sixth or yeah, end of the fifth, which was what about pick 74, 75. So uh, he fell to the back of that round there, which we were more than happy to take him at that point. But yeah. Um, I think there's a little bit of risk here. We kind of know that there's going to be some regression, at, at least in the batting average. And so that's where I, I come with, like, you know, that's where I'm I'm thinking I would like to see a little more plate discipline there because uh, we do know that, you know, there's going to be some regression in that batting average. I don't think he's going to hit 303 next year. But, yeah, I think there's incredible power potential here. Um, and, yeah, he, he he's someone I like. But, again, more likely to take him, like, in a head-to-head league, in a points league, than I am, like, in a roto league, at least where he's going right now. I was initially very skeptical of Austin Riley's batting average, but seeing that you mentioned Riley has gained, you know, the contact rates have gone up, the the fact that he hits the ball so hard, and he has an elite line drive rate. You pair an elite line drive rate and hard hit balls, Austin Riley should help, that should help sustain his BABIP. That mm-hmm. should help sustain some of the batting average. I do agree that it should regress a little bit. However, I don't think it should regress as much, at least as I initially believed. That's why I put him in this no, again, this no name, no, no man's land, so to speak, of a tier of his own, because I, I, I don't think we've seen exactly what to expect from Riley. We've seen his lows, we've seen his highs. I think there's a steady medium that's closer to the high than it is to the low for me. That's why I have him kind of floating around here. But again, it comes down to price. I'm not paying the, I've seen him go as early as like the fourth round, third round, like early to fourth round. I think third, I think we've seen him go to late third before. Um, but like you mentioned, we got him like in the fifth and that was like that. I'll pay that price. Yeah. And I think part of also part of it, I mean, it's, it's 
crazy when you look at the third base position. Like Austin Riley's the fourth guy, and it's like after that, just about everyone has either warts or question marks. It's really tough to feel very good about the third base position um, after after Austin Riley here, which is just crazy, man. I mean, I don't know. How, how do you approach the third base position? Like I, I try to get one had... of those top three guys if I can. Do you? I try. Yeah. Like I, I act. You know, the problem is if you're not picking towards the back of the first, Devers and Machado don't make it very far into the second. Again, 15 teamers in 12s, they will obviously they'll more likely to fall, and I'll target them in the second all day. But if I miss on them, I mean, I'm looking at Arenado Bregman, and if I miss on him, I usually fall back on Hayes Urias. Like, and we're gonna get to those guys later. But I have mm-hmm. like, <laughs> I'm, I'm comfortable. I'd say for us in our tier fives, for you tier four, but in that top 10 i want my i want my starting first baseman to be one of my top 10 guys preferably one of my top eight guys but i I really do favor a third baseman early or a third baseman in the early rounds because i really don't want to go beyond say chris bryant who we have ranked eighth and seventh respectively i don't want to go lower than that for my my starting third baseman given how the position has so many question marks it's deep but i feel like it's not deep it's deep with potential more than it is deep with sure sure things like the third base isn't terribly shallow it's just shallow in terms of elite ability or elite elite players it's not shortstop it's not second base it's not other positions like that i i think i'm kind of the the opposite um a bit like if i'm not getting jose ramirez uh which i've gotten a couple times like in the top five if i'm not getting jose ramirez i'm not really gonna push up anyone for positional scarcity where like i have to chase speed later like i'm getting that that statistical scarcity and speed that you see getting pushed up so much right now like i'm taking more chances later on which you know we'll get to some of the guys again but that's kind of where i've been at i get Uh, it but that's why i land on machado a lot in the second because anytime i have a chance to get machado i think again he's he's not a zero in speeds that's why i like uh, in speeds (laughs) in stolen bases (laughs) he's not a zero in stolen bases so i like to grab machado in the second because usually in the first i'm not grabbing a pitcher if i'm grabbing machado in the second it's because i already have a five category producer from the first round i don't like having machado as my first hitter so i agree like if there's more speed there in the second and i go a pitcher first then yes, yeah, so it's all about team build. I agree. Those mm-hmm. guys, because they don't give you enough speed by themselves, taking them as your first hitter, I think can put you behind the eight ball. Whereas I do like enough third baseman to where I am also willing to skip on them. But I do try to build my team around getting one of those top three guys. Yeah. So and the next guy. Um, well, we skipped one the on the ADP because I'm like, we'll ADP. get to him eventually. Yeah. Nolan Arenado. Yeah, he's like a he's pretty much like what I think the floor for Austin Riley is. Like <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah. Um, so we saw Arenado. I mean, he just he had an interesting year, right? First year out of uh Colorado out of Coors and uh I don't know. I mean, he hit 255, 312, 494. Um just pulling his up this page. His page is absolutely terrible. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean uh, the thing about Arenado is his stat catch his stat cast page is terrible, but that goes to remind you stat cast pages are can fool you because his approach is why he will or can repeat. He is a pull heavy uh, hitter that has really good plate discipline and really good contact skills. So he doesn't have swing and miss in his game, but Arenado pulls the crap out of the ball. All thirty four of his home runs were pulled to the pull side. All thirty four. Yeah. And yeah. Regardless, like he doesn't barrel the ball well. He doesn't. 
uh, have mm-hmm. a great hard hit rate. He doesn't have anything that really stands out in, in terms of like those metrics. But because he's able to have this approach and succeed with this approach, Arenado will or should repeat. And people look at the BABIP like, oh, well, that's low for him. It's low for him because he's not in cores. Arenado's BABIP makes sense given his approach. So I think the batting average is more likely to be around 255, 260. But I do think 30 home runs is here to stay with like 100 RBI given the you know, playing every day in that lineup. So there's give and take there, but you have to understand with Arenado, the day, the best days of him are behind him because of the ballpark. However, what he did last year, regardless of what the underlying like metrics can look like on the sacast page, still can repeat because it's just, again, just the way he approaches the, how he approaches things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you pretty much, you put it well. I mean, you, you're looking at a pretty uh, reliable floor here um, because he doesn't strike out too much. And, and because of that pull heavy approach, I mean, I think, yeah, you're looking at the 255 and 30 homers. Um, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. Like the underlying metrics do kind of worry me a little bit, uh, you know, how, especially in that ballpark. Uh, so I could see maybe 28, 29 homers in a 250, 255 average, which again, which at this point you're you're taking it because he's a third baseman uh, where he's going right now. So it's just one of those things where again, I'm I'm not really going to push anybody up because of the positional scarcity. But I, I get it, I understand it because you're looking at a, a really decent floor here at at a weak, very weak third base position. Yeah, because if you look at Arenado, the guys going around him have their own questions. Bregman hasn't really been the same since his 2019 breakout, which we always knew he wasn't that guy. Like it didn't make sense for him to be that guy, but we know he's better than he has been. He had the we talk about elite plate discipline. Bregman has that. Rendon. Yeah. Rendon can still be Rendon with like solid four category floor, but we know health can be an issue for Rendon. He has been healthier than people might realize prior to last year, but still health has been an issue in the past. It could be now an issue going forward getting being that he's older. Chris Bryant, same thing. It's we don't know where he's playing. We don't know um like the guy just seems to be streaky at times. Like we've seen good Chris Bryant, bad Chris Bryant. Last year he was good in the first half. Second half was kind of mediocre. Like so, there's all these question marks about like all these guys. I wouldn't mind actually having as my starter if I had to. But Arenado is the only one you don't really ask. What are you gonna get out of him? You know what I mean? That's where I. That's yeah. why I value him as my fifth. Uh, my fifth third baseman. So we're right around where Alex Bregman is going at 97 in the last month in draft champions. That's kind of where I start. Like if I don't have Ramirez, this is kind of where I start to look at third base. Um, So I'm kind of in on Alex Bregman going into the year. I mean, we mentioned the elite plate discipline. If we're kind of looking at both him and Arenado, I think there's that that's the difference. There is the really elite plate discipline with the 11% walk rate, 13% strikeout rate. He did hit 270. Um, again, another guy where, you know, he kind of plays to his park. He plays to his skill set. That's all 12 of his home runs uh, were to the pull side. Um, and we've seen him kind of make that work um, in his ballpark. And, you know, he's in a really good lineup. I'm uh, kind of what we've heard now over this offseason about his uh, the surgery to repair the uh, remove the cyst from his wrist. And so, you know, if that's behind him and, and he's healthy, I mean, he's, he is only 27 years old. Um, and we have seen him, you know, 2017, 2018, 2019, all over 600 plate appearances and all, you know, very good uh, production, at least, at least hitting 284 in each of those seasons with that breakout 2019 where he hit 296. So I think there is a bounce back potential here to like, like I think there's I think there's 280 290 in there with Alex Bregman. I I, I can't say the same for Nolan Arenado, 
And because of his approach, I think, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see Bregman. Now, he's not going to hit 41 homers. I think that was absolutely a product of of the bouncy ball. But 28, 29 with that and with a ton of runs scored with his plate discipline and maybe uh, upwards of a 280 uh, average with some upside. I mean, I I think that's in the cards um, for Bregman if he's healthy. And we know neither of them are going to at this point are going to steal very much. You might get chip in, you know, two, three steals. Uh, But, yeah, I think. Because he's going where he's going at 97, that's where I'm kind of starting to look here, and and I actually like Bregman. I'm wondering if Bregman can actually go the way of his uh, teammate in Altuve. And although that wouldn't help his batting average, that could make him a 30-home run guy again. Because what you saw Altuve Mm -hmm. do was set a career high. And yes, Altuve's like in his 30s, set a career high in pull rate and fly ball rate. So he went out there, made that change, still managed to hit over 270 because Altuve has an elite hit tool. But Bregman has that type of plate discipline to where he could probably still scrape by like a 270 and do a similar approach and probably hit 30, especially with that ballpark. Because, you know, being a right-handed bat in Houston, you take advantage of that ballpark. And if he can mm-hmm. do that again, because that's kind of what his uh, his recipe for success was in 2019. He was able to pull the ball and do very well. I think we could see Bregman get be like what Altuve did and kind of have that year of like, all right, he gets back to changing his approach, gets a little more aggressive, pulls the ball in the air more. And now you're seeing a guy hit about 265, 270, but with 30 home runs, which will play really again, regardless of which way he goes. If Bregman goes closer to like the Altuve approach, he'd still be like an Arenado. If he go, if he doesn't, he'll be like a Rendon. There's a reason why he's in that area. Like a healthy Rendon is what you're hoping for, is what you're hoping Bregman turns around and becomes this year. Because a healthy Rendon gives you that 285, 290 batting average with 25 to 30 home runs, 100 RBIs because of where he's batting in the lineup, et cetera, et cetera. Like Bregman can give you that, and so can Rendon. And I think people are so that's why I have them back to back. I know you have Rendon a little lower, but I think and I think health is the reason why, and that's a perfectly fine reason to argue why you should be low on Rendon or lower yeah. on Rendon. But you're like what you described in Bregman. If all if everything clicks, is what Rendon has done in the past, and what we know or should expect Rendon to do as long as health is there. So it's either a are you betting on Bregman to bounce back, knowing that he shouldn't have these like it was more of a fluke issue with the injuries last year, or are we going to have are we going to bet on Rendon's health? I agree. I do have Bregman ranked higher because I believe in Bregman remaining healthier and being closer to that player versus Rendon remaining healthy. But I don't want. I, I feel like we can look back next year and be like. Wow, Rendon's still a top three, top four third baseman. Like he was being drafted the year before. You know what I mean? Like in 2020, 2021, whatever. So that's why yeah. I just wanted to like bring that up that uh, like, like your scenario for Bregman was if you go look at Rendon's previous seasons, pretty similar. You know what I mean? Like that's pretty like, much that's, what he was. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty much what he what, what Rendon's been. It's just health with Rendon. Um, yeah. let's just get this out of the way, I guess. We've skipped over <laughs> like an ADP. We both like we just went down the line one, two, five, six, seven, like in order. ADP for the last month is J Ram, Devers, Machado. We talked about why we prefer Machado over Devers. <laughs> Riley is fifth, Arenado's sixth, Bregman's seventh. We talked about them at length for the most part. We skipped on Mondesi at four. You have Mondesi at nine, at eight. I have Mondesi at nine. I refuse to let you have Mondesi over Rendon. We have to talk about that. I don't care how unhealthy Rendon is. You know, I hate that. But anyway, Monesi, we are below consensus on. It looks like he he's somebody we basically won't draft. In points leagues, he's untouchable. In roto leagues, we get it. But between the terrible play discipline, between the fact that they said that they're going to keep him limited in order to keep him healthy, which could be a good thing for him, but you're still not getting full-time play appearances. 
he should be hitting closer to the bottom of the order, especially as this team gets better this year. So that, that limits his plate appearances. He's going to have to fight for playing time with the young guys as they come up. There's I, there's just so many potential paths to negative return here. I'm just, I'm, but you know me, every year, anybody who's listening to this podcast for a couple of years now, first off, we thank you. Second off, Mondesi was on my very first episode as a bus pick, I think. Um, if not, he was damn close because <laughs> he's been a guy I've been out on since day one. And he, every September, it's like, I'm right for five months. And then September happens every year. And he's the September standout, the league winner. But I can't justify holding on to him for five months. You know what I mean? I just, I'm done. I'm done. Like, I've never been in, but I'm done. I, I'm not going to st- suddenly change course here. So Mondesi, anything you want to add to that? Because again, I know we're both low, but I have to do my annual rant. My annual Mondesi <laughs> doesn't, shouldn't be drafted here rant. Every year, it's the same thing. You know, yeah, I hear you. And uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, he's someone that I'm I'm absolutely not touching to you. I mean, you pretty much hit on the points there. Um, I mean, where does he play, right? I mean, right, he's, is he going to DH? Is he going to play third base? I mean, are we, is Bobby Witt going to play, you know, take that third base job? It doesn't seem like they're going to move um, Witt. Merrifield and Nicky Lopez uh, off the the middle there. So yeah, a lot of question marks. I mean, it's it's crazy that you look at at uh, Mondesi and I mean like the sub three hundred OBP like just year after year. But I mean look the it, it's the steals, man. It it is it's the steals. I mean fifteen steals in just one hundred thirty six plate appearances last year. I mean that's why he is going where he's going um, for those steals. But yeah, I mean it's just way too too much risk here, too much volatility, and it's someone that. Uh, I'm with you. I'm I'm not going to touch. Glad we can agree to be <laughs> right or wrong together this year. Everybody's favorite breakout in 20. I guess we I can't skip to him yet. I was like, oh, I had a perfect like, you know, the perfect transition. And I ruined it because Chris <laughs> Bryant at eight, Rendon at nine, LeMahieu at 10. We talked about LeMahieu on second base. Kind of makes sense. Multi-positional eligibility kind of keeps him propped up. Um, but Chris Bryant, Rendon, do you have any thoughts on those two before we move on to the I guess beyond the top 10 here at their base? No, I mean, I think, you know, they're all kind of solid options. I mean, Chris Bryant does have the outfield eligibility and uh, he'll chip in more speed than the other guys going in this range too. So, I mean, that might give him the edge there a bit as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's a fine option. Let's see, what where's his ADP at? Yeah, uh, 100. Yeah, again, I mean, him, Bregman, Rendon, I think they can all kind of produce um, similarly here. And yeah, I mean the outfield and the the little chip in speed there um, helps as well. Yep, not much to add to that. And Rendon, we talked about um, Hayes. This was the guy I wanted to talk about because mm-hmm. Hayes was the guy that everyone like was talking like I've heard comps of like a poor man's Rendon, you know. And um, I just feel like people are just kind of ignoring him. He was uh, Ryan Hayes was nine for ten on the base pass last year in just ninety six games. So he gave you those stolen bases you want out of anybody at their base. Now you he should be entering the year. He should be healthy. I guess there is questions on exactly how how healthy he can be might be right now, but he should be healthy. You know Hayes carries the hit tool from the Myers. That was his thing, and he had a ninety one point five percent Z contact at his own contact rate. I'd say that's pretty damn elite. <laughs> that's up there. Anything above ninety percent is really damn good. Um, so he's going to bat at the top of the order. He stole bases successfully last year. Power might not be a strength, but you know, you're getting double digits. He should get close to that 90 or so uh, runs plus, you know, maybe 60 RBIs if he's leading off on that team. So maybe you plan to not get the RBIs out of him, but you know, you're getting runs, you're getting stolen bases. He's not a zero for power and he's going to be a good, he's going to be decent for batting average. 
why are we why is there seem to be no excitement around Hayes this year? Do you are you just okay? Like, I'm okay falling back on him. Like I don't know. I, Maybe I'm confident. I'm absolutely <laughs> I'm absolutely okay with there not being excitement about Brian Hayes because that means I'm just gonna keep scooping him up. <laughs> I don't have any yet, man. I don't know how I'm doing this. Yeah, I, I'm a I'm a fan. I'm still in on on Cabrian Hayes. I mean, you, you mentioned just the elite contact rates. Uh, even last year, I mean, he still had a 45% hard hit rate. I mean, the all he does is hit the ball hard, and I think last year was basically all about that wrist. Uh, you know, he just was not healthy. Um, I don't think uh, the 56.7% ground ball rate. That's just not who he is. Uh, never really had a ground ball rate above 50%. In the minors, was consistently like in the mid 40s. Uh, so I think we're going to see him elevate that ball, barrel it up again this year, as long as he comes in healthy. And yeah, I mean, you look at the speed. I mean, you know, stole 12 bases in 2018 in 508 plate appearances, about a 15 steal pace or so. Uh, same thing, 2019, 12, uh, 13 steals actually between um, low A and and triple A, uh, thir- 13 steals there over uh, roughly yeah about 492 plate appearances. So uh, about the same 15, 16 steal pace. And again, yeah, 2020, yeah, he only stole one one base. But I, again, shortened shortened season, only 95 plate appearances. Uh, this year, kind of right back to to where what he's kind of been: nine steals and 396 plate appearances. Kind of on pace for maybe a little over um, the pace that he was setting in the in the minor leagues, uh, or just about the same. So I, I definitely think there's. You know, I definitely think there's maybe 18 home run, 15, like if he's like 18, 15 and, and a good batting average. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's that's really valuable here at third base, getting getting that speed. So, yeah, he's kind of the, the other guy. Like if I'm not getting that Jose Ramirez, getting that speed from from uh, Brian Hayes at, at third base, I think is is very valuable. And uh, yeah, I mean, oh. Of course, you want to see you kind of want to see him start the season healthy and stuff. But I mean, yeah, I mean, all indications right now is that right he got that wrist issue uh, fixed. So, I, yeah, I, I'm taking a chance on Brian Hayes. I am too. And then when you start looking beyond Brian Hayes, it's the usual. We mentioned a little bit, we teased it a little bit on the you know DJ Mayhew, Luis Urias is right there at 13th right now in ADP over the last month. But again, we spoke on him last podcast. A guy that I've just given up hope in terms of him hitting that upside, going 12th right behind Brian Hayes, right ahead of Luis Urias, is Yoan Moncada. We both have Urias, Urias ahead of him by one spot, so that's why I skipped him initially. But Yoan Moncada, I have him 13th almost by default because this begun, this begins like this run of, I'm just not sure, like kind of almost mediocrity slash some upside. And Moncada's just a guy that I don't know if we're going to ever see that season of like, the, the what-if season, you know, the one we've been waiting on for a while. What do you think about Mankata? Mankata is the one guy here in this range where I just have no idea what to make of him, man. I, I really don't. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that, that's that great A analysis you tune in for, folks. Yeah, I mean, the plate discipline is, is good. Um, yeah, that's decent hard hit rate, right? Uh, 30, yeah, like, 30 barrels, a, I think he, he might have underperformed there. I mean, he has 30 barrels. Sound. Had, yeah, sound approach. <laughs> Uh, 30 barrels, only 14 home runs. So I, I definitely think, you know, he might, might have gotten a bit unlucky there in the power department. But yeah, if you're just kind of looking at 260, 265 with uh, maybe about 20 homer power, he may chip in some speed. It might not. I mean, 
<laughs> he gains value uh, in OBP leagues. Like if you play in OBP leagues or I guess points leagues, because again, mm-hmm. well, it still strikes out a good amount. Never mind. But OBP formats, because I mean, he had what a three seventy five OBP this year. He's had ten percent walk rate in four of the last five seasons. He's improved the strikeout rate, so he's cut down on the swing and miss. It's just like you mentioned, like the line. And the thing is, is the line drive rate for Moncada is elite, twenty six point six percent. That is ridiculously like that's great. And he he did all this, so the line drive rate being that good should lead to better batting average, you know, p- production in theory. But it's not going to help the. It's not going to help the the power, especially because he's dipped the the fly ball rate is what kind of came down instead of the ground ball rate, you know? So um, I think the BABIP could be better, which could lead to a better batting average if those line drives hold up for Mankata, but the power won't be there. And the speed, that's the kind of, we were, we were hoped, we hoped and we saw a skill set that was like a power speed mix. It hasn't shown up when, why should we expect it to now? I think this just might be who he is, unfortunately. Yeah. Which isn't bad. He's just the excite, like that, that whole upside of the potential, the excitement was there and it's just, I don't know if it should be anymore. I hate fading this type of guy with such a good plate discipline because I love good plate discipline. It's like a weakness of mine. And and when I look at, when I look, when I do my analysis on a player and check them out, when I see good plate discipline, it really makes me intrigued intrigued by them. But he doesn't have an outlying skill with it. It's good plate discipline and not really much to go around that. That's the problem. Like not much power, not much speed. Batting average is mediocre. The lineup spot. I think could be towards sixth versus the top of the order again. So there is a lot of like paths to mediocrity with Makata. That's how, that's one way to put it. I don't know. I feel like you said, I don't know how to treat him, but it's either him or Ryan McMahon or Justin Turner. I'd rather have Makata on upside alone. when I think the floors can all be the same, except for Justin Turner's floor. We know it's going to be better. He just can't, we just, how how can we trust him to stay healthy? We'll get to him in a moment. But anyways, I rambled, I rambled on about Makata. Is there anything else you want to add before we move on? No, we can move on. Okay, we can move on. McMahon, um, cores, yay. Like he should play every day in cores. That's kind of the way the reason why you keep drafting him. And he did increase his fly ball rate. The problem is, right. is he also just doesn't pull the ball enough. So I think it plays it should play to a better batting average because he does he hits a 30% to all fields last year, McMahon did. So he kind of spread the ball around. I think there are just a lot of ifs with him. If he could pull the ball more. If, if if you can keep the ball in the air while doing so more as well, we can see the production, the power production increase because we're seeing a change in terms of just getting the ball off the ground more as much as it was. He used to be a 50% ground ball guy. So McMahon's a guy that's like cores plus the change in his profile equals some potential for upside, but I'm just torn on him. I'm torn on all these guys in this range. Do you have any differing thoughts on him? No, I mean, I, I think this is kind of who he is. Uh you know, mid twenties homers, he's going to chip in, you know, five or six steals. I think what you're hoping for is a, you know, a, a year where you get a spike in Babbitt because of Coors and he hits like 260, uh, 265 with that, you know, mid twenties homers and a few steals. So I, I think that's kind of the upside you're shooting for here is to get one of those years where, you know, he probably will one of these years spike a good Babbitt and, and put up a, a decent batting average. Um, and I mean the second, third base eligibility. He's he's probably one of the guys uh, there with the Rockies that you're kind of not really too concerned about um, playing time. So you know he's going to play. I, I just don't see a ton of upside here. Um, I, I would be fine with him, like I, I guess as a uh, fallback option, just because where where he's going here. Um, yeah, nothing really much more than that. 
And then speaking of like, this is why third base, like this is why people think third base is so shallow because now you're starting to settle for the McMahon types, the Mankatas, the Justin Turner's at 15. And I think there's nothing exciting here. We know how good he can be. It's just, can we expect him to stay healthy? And He played 151 games last year. Like the last time he did that was in 2016. He's, but he, however, he has played at least 130 games in four of his last five full seasons, if you take away 2020, of course. So it's not like he hasn't been able to stay healthier than people may have thought or may have. People, you know, these injury prone guys, people get overly concerned about because they miss a couple IL stints, but a couple minimum IL stints is nothing these days. If you can give me 130 games with Justin Turner, I'm not, that's not a bad deal for me. I don't know. I'm not as concerned. And these guys, I try to target as my uh, corner infield types anyway. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty much right in line with you there with uh, with Turner. We both have him at 15. So again, yeah, just kind of fallback option for for third base or possibly a corner infield. Yeah. Oh, you're hoping that the universal DH kind of helps them, right? Uh, you would think they have. You know, they have Rios. They have Lux. They have like they can move Taylor over. They have a lot of ways to keep him healthy and keep his bat in the lineup. But then it's like, well, what about Will Smith that needs those extra bats to keep his bat in the lineup? What about, you know, this player, that player? The Dodgers have so many options because it's the Dodgers. But yeah. in theory, and I do think that there is a good chance we see Turner DH a bit to keep him healthy because his bat is that valuable. But we're getting to this range now. Eduardo Escobar, Matt Chapman, Heimer, Heimer Candelario. Can't say his name. Uh, Josh Donaldson. These are the next four guys off the board. And I don't know. How, I guess Donaldson's actually my favorite because I feel like Chapman, I'm scared to bang on Chapman's bounce back. He just hasn't been right since that hip injury. Um, Donaldson, his hard hit data is ridiculous. It's it's stupid. Uh, third highest barrel per uh, plate appearance. Th- barrel per plate appearance for Donaldson, 11.2%. Among qualified hitters, just behind Otani and Tatis for reference. He was also top 7% in max EV, top 5% in barrel rate, and top 5% in hard hit rate. So, again, Donaldson's quality of contact is still there. He has played, uh, he managed to play 135 games last year, even dealing with injury. So, another guy that maybe he'll DH more with Donaldson out of uh, Donaldson with, um, what's his face out of the picture there in Minnesota? Cruz. Cruz. Yes. Mm-hmm. With Cruz out of the picture, I think we can see Donaldson DH more. So he's my favorite in this area to take a chance on. But um, between Chapman, uh, Donaldson, Candelario, Escobar, do you have a favorite there? Uh, well, it, at this point, it kind of depends on what my team needs. Um, so I, I think Donaldson is probably just like overall kind of my favorite. Um, like you said, like the batted ball stuff just still just jumps off the page. It looks incredible, right? I mean, 17% barrel rate, 52% hard hit, right? Like he's still crushing the ball. Uh, you you kind of hope that maybe they move him off third base. But yeah, just over from an overall skill set pers- perspective, uh, Donaldson's probably my favorite. Um, if I need power, uh, if, if I just need some some pa- some reliable power, um, I like Matt Chapman to bounce back. We've seen him be, uh, we've seen him have, you know, much better plate discipline before. I, I think the last couple seasons, you know, he just probably hasn't been quite himself, quite 100%. And, and it, part of it was the approach too, just super fly ball heavy approach. And I would like to see, you know, what happens if he does get traded to number one, a better ballpark, 
um, a better team context. Um, maybe one where you know he, you know, where he can maybe change his approach back to that more of a um, not so fly ball heavy. You know that 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 he's been the last couple years, but still uh, still a guy who you know plenty of barrels in there. Uh, you know he's gonna play every day. So I mean, despite hitting you know two ten, he still uh, scored seventy five runs and drove in seventy two and hit 27 homers so yeah i, I don't mind uh, matt chapman here if i if i need power and and i need to bank on on those plate appearances and, and counting stats um but the guy the guy that like if i all things being equal if i just need a safe um probably one of my favorite fallbacks here at third base is condelario i think there's a little bit of upside as well but as far as just like if i need to plug somebody in that i know is not going to hurt me um Candelario is often my guy here. I mean, I I, I like what he did in the second half. Uh, hit 282, 358, 524 in the second half with 11 homers. Uh, doesn't strike out a ton. Uh, 11% barrel rate. He had 22 barrels in that second half. Basically, what he's done the last two years is kind of backed up by by uh, those underlying metrics, by you know the Statcast stuff. So. I kind of like Candelario uh, at this point. You know, he's gonna hit in, in the middle of the of a hopefully improved Tigers lineup uh, where he can drive in a few more runs. But yeah, he's kind of the guy here where if I need a safe fallback option, I I really don't mind Candelario because I I don't think he's gonna hurt you. He's like a poor man's Justin Turner. That's really all <laughs> he is. I mean, back to back seasons. You you mentioned back to back seasons of improving a strikeout rate for Candelario. Hit and back-to-back seasons of hitting at least 271. This has been. This comes with a 25.9% or better line drive rate each of the last two seasons as well. So Candelario has the skill set and some of the stuff in the background to suggest that you mentioned that floor is or should be expected for him. So I agree. I think he's a good fallback option. I think he's underappreciated. I think there's just, you mentioned like, what does your team need? Do you need a little flashy upside with Donaldson power wise Chapman, just because we've seen it before. I do know Chapman has struggled with high heat and that probably goes back to him getting trying to get under the ball more and getting those five balls up. So I'm wondering if he can adjust and maybe flatten that swing out a little bit, thus making Chapman's approach not be so strikeout prone as he's been really bad with the strikeouts yeah. lately. Um, I think, are we just, I guess we should just mention them. Escobar, I feel like Escobar should be behind all these guys because all these guys that we mentioned have a redeeming quality, whereas Escobar yeah. is kind of just Escobar, 250 and 25 to 30 home runs. Like, you know what you're getting, which I guess at that point, maybe you can argue him over Chapman. I think we just all see a ceiling that's higher for Chapman, whereas Escobar, you know, again, you just know what you're getting. Yeah. But he's yeah, going ahead of all these guys. That's why I mentioned he's going ahead. He's going ahead of all these guys over the last month, probably because he's dual position eligibility has that second base going with him too. Um, e. Eugenio Suarez. Fun fact about Suarez. Uh, let's see if I can have to pull it up real quick. <laughs> I, I should have had this ready. What type of host am I? But fun fact about Suarez was how well he finished the season with tangible change. That's kind of the part that I found most intriguing in September October. Suarez had eight home runs with a 370 batting average, 460 OBP, and 808 slug, 220 WRC plus. This is just stupid. The video game numbers in the final month. So what happened? The changes in approach that caught my attention for Suarez. He had less swing and miss overall, while remaining more patient at the plate, which makes sense. More patient, less swing and miss. You combine the two, it's even better. He did not pull everything, and why is that significant for him? Suarez has turned into this very big pull-heavy fly ball player. This has turned into the shift killing him, absolutely crushing him. 
And if he's not going to hit into the shift, you can't be hurt by the shift. You know what I mean? Like it's that simple. So he only had a 28.8% pull rate, which although I wouldn't want him to pull that the ball that little, I think that if he can adjust and just take what's pitched to him and not try to pull everything, teams won't be able to shift as much. And you should see Suarez have more success. Ultimately, I think some of these changes late in the season could be some maybe more of what we should expect to see this year compared to the usual pulling everything fly ball, low babip, swing and miss type. I'm not saying he I'm not saying that like this September is exactly who he is, obviously. That would be crazy. He'd be a first round pick if those were his numbers over a full season. But I do think maybe we and he mentioned it in an article. I tried finding it. Suarez did mention that he finally got right in his head. And like a lot of it was mental for him. And that's a lot of things that we can't see in the numbers. So I think Suarez ultimately, like I've come around on the idea of Suarez bouncing back. I don't rank him much higher than his consensus. I think I actually am in line with his consensus, but he's, he's one of those guys that I want to make sure I get a couple of just in case the bounce back does occur. I'm, I'm just not hundred percent sold on it, but I am encouraged by the way he finished thoughts on Suarez. Now that I've, kind of say everything <laughs> yeah Suarez is is someone that I don't have any of yet and it might be my previous just bias against him because I mean going into 2020 like I, I was fading him hard like yes. I going into 2020 like I saw that 52 percent pull rate combined with that 28 percent strikeout rate and I, and I thought no like this 271 batting average is going to come crashing down and for the last two years he's validated that I mean he's been mm-hmm. barely a 200 hitter for the last two years but uh I, I think because of you know those what I've thought about him going to 2020 and and the last two seasons I mean that's not to say that like like you, you were mentioning that's not to say that his approach can't change um so and, and I mean the price is just so much more uh it's just so much better now right I mean he's going to yeah pick 213 um so I, I don't have any sores yet but it would not surprise me to see him bounce back a bit uh that's what it I, is it's, it's a matter of yeah. price price meets potential here not to mention, again, dual position eligibility for what it's worth. I know we're talking third base, but he is, he is eligible at shortstop. So that, that does help his his you know value or perceived value here. But, I mean, maybe, you know, if you're, if you're in on Chapman or Candelario, maybe if you have your team built the right way, you take a shot on Suarez over, like, a Donaldson or Chapman type just to mix it up. They're all going within the similar range, so it wouldn't hurt. to. That's why we rank these guys in tiers because it's like – yeah, Suarez fits this tier, and the potential is there for him as much as it is for any of those guys, especially with that ballpark and the team that's – I mean, maybe he gets traded, which actually might hurt him because now he loses that ballpark, but to be seen – yet to be uh, seen, I guess, or to be determined. Beyond the top 20 at third base, because we've already hit the top 20, it becomes – this is where the position really shows its scarcity. Like, I mentioned it wasn't deep with, like, high-end talent – but I guess it, I guess I shouldn't have argued that it was deeper than it looks because it's really not. Because here it gets you have Toro who should play most days now, especially with Seager out. But who knows how they approach? You know, once the C, once the CBA is signed, the, the Mariners are expected to always be active. We don't know what to expect there. VR is a free agent. This is 21, 22. Urshela feels like a safe and forgotten piece of the puzzle here. So I, he's a guy that I, I recently got as my corner infielder. I'm like I really like that because <laughs> he's just kind of like there and forgotten he like, he's still the same player he kind of was last year not really maybe less maybe more of a 260 batting average guy but yankees and that lineup in that ballpark defense will keep him in the in the in the game unless they get chapman then we could see urshela maybe move a shortstop i guess i don't know 
I don't know. That's, I guess, to be, again, to be determined there. But I feel like his playing time is the safest among all these guys that we're talking about right now. Like, uh, Biggio, Jung, who here do you – I'm not going to – I just named most of them, but who here I, – I, I mentioned Urshela and Toro, kind of the guys I like. Is there anybody here you have preference of? Oh, man. Um, I yeah. haven't <laughs> been taking any of these guys, like, I try not to. at all. I, I've yeah, I, I'm not sure if I, I have any if at all of, of uh like Toro, VR, Urshela. I have Vigio. a bunch of Toro, I won't lie, but it's because he's go he was going later and he's a guy that you were getting for third base and second base. So that positional eligibility plus the path to playing time and mention of Toro getting outfield made him very intriguing in these in these deeper formats. However, he was the only, and then Urshela, same thing, multi-position eligibility. So that's not fair because we're talking about as third baseman alone. These guys weren't guys I was targeting for third base, or but they were guys I was targeting because I'm like, well, I need a corner infielder and I need position eligibility. They fit both. That's all that was yeah. with these guys. So just the way my drafts have played out, like I typically have like my third base and corner um, filled by, by this point, and this is kind of where I've been getting like um, – either outfield or uh, starting pitching. Uh, and then I'll get back into third base uh, around in the next tier, like with like Alec Bohm. Uh, I have like maybe one or two shares of, of Josh, Josh Young. Um, so I like that Toro to Biggio range. I, I don't really have any of those guys, but then I'll, I'll jump back in with like an Alec Bohm, um, especially if it's someone that like, if I just have like my UT, usually they're like my utility or maybe like my first uh, like reserve bat or something. But um, yeah, like I, I still, I still like Alec Bohm. I'm curious to see, you know, how, if the Phillies with the, the new, their new um, hitting coach are able to kind of fix those issues with, with Bohm. Um, I know he hasn't really been able to tap into, to that raw power, which we, we'd love to see, but he still, you know, hits the ball very hard, uh, you know, nearly a 50% hard hit rate really kind of underperform at least those underlying metrics as far as like his expected stats. So I, I am uh, a little optimistic with Bohm and, and um, I, I like that. I can see the Phillies uh, kind of moving Reese Hoskins because I mean, they have to improve that infield defense because uh, that infield defense is terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see like Reese Hoskins moving off the field and, and kind of getting DH. most of his playing time at DH. Yeah, like maybe Real Muto gets a, a game here and there at DH. But I could definitely see Hoskins getting the most of his uh, playing time at DH and uh, maybe Alec Bow moving over to first. So, um, like maybe in a, Stott to third or something? Thinking Bryson Stott, are they signed someone? I think they signed someone. And I think they Stott, signed I mean, they someone. They have Stott sitting there. Short, he's a shortstop. Maybe him or Didi could play third. Yeah, yeah, they can even they I think they sign someone and possibly um let DD and Stott kind of compete for one of those starting spots. So, um yeah, I I could definitely see Bohm moving over back to to first base. Um Yeah, Bohm and... is just one of those guys like we were he we had that we flashed at 2020, you know. He has that bat. That's kind of his calling card. Like he was known for his bat for, you know, bat first prospect, but not in the sense of being a big power bat, just being a solid hitter. And he struck, you know, he kind of had his ups and downs last year, but between AAA and MLB, he stole seven bases, only caught once. Again, not the fastest guy, but that's two straight seasons we've seen him being able to be efficient on the base pass. That's that's what matters. Stolen bases are about intent and success. If you are able to strategically steal your bases, there might be a path to double digits. I'm not saying he will, but the fact they stole seven between, you know, upper minors and majors 
shows that he can steal. At least you you're, you can get those chip in five to seven. You mentioned mm-hmm. the hard hit rate, 49.5%, 90th percentile, by the way. Uh, max, ex- max exit velocity of 111.6 miles per hour, 82nd percentile. Again, you mentioned the tools are there. The playing time should follow. I'm, I haven't gotten any bone, but I am intrigued because I don't see how this team doesn't allow him to try to figure it out yet again, and I don't see how he doesn't put it together because I think he has the tools to do it. Coming now, he has you know a full what might be even an extended off season at this point, <laughs> and you know I, I maybe you mentioned new hitting coach. There, there's a lot of possibility here for Bohm, and I think you mentioned just the raw the, the skills plus the raw potential, the raw skills that are there too for Bohm really make me intrigued on him as well. So he's a guy that I haven't gotten enough exposure to, but someone that I am in on c- compared to especially compared to these other names here because I don't want Luis Urias, uh, Luis Urias. Unless I really need help, like with batting average and runs, which are those are tough. Those are tough skills to come by. He's a guy that can give you both going by pick three hundred with multi position eligibility. So he's a very team. He's a pick for team need. He's more of a reserve round guy, someone you don't want to bank on. But with the eligibilities and the skill sets, you know what, what he would be there for. Wisdom. I don't think he's going to be a full time starter all year. The dude had a forty percent strikeout rate or something crazy. Yeah, the dude can hit tanks. But no, I don't. There's no way he starts all year for for a team in the majors. No way. He he, he has to be a, a bench bat, right? Like you, even with the DH, you think the Cubs are gonna trot Patrick Wisdom out there for 162? Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, it's gonna be curious to see what the Cubs do um, after the lockout. Because I mean, we've kind of heard them rumored to be in on some guys. I, I mean, especially after bringing in Marcus Stroman, which is curious. I mean, yeah, what, the most what are curious the, thing. <laughs> like, what the hell's yeah, that? like what what are they doing? So I mean, if the if the uh, roster stays as is, I mean, I I kind of maybe his playing time's a little safer, but it's just gonna kind of gonna depend on on what they add there. But no, I'm I, I'm with you. I mean, yeah, forty percent strikeout rate. That's that's not gonna last very long. <laughs> <laughs> a guy that I find myself drafting outside of the top 30 at third base, Mike Moustakis. Now, you'll probably see his price jump because of the DH in the NL. Um, I don't expect much for batting average, 240, 250 at best. It's just, he at the very least, he'll have a strong side platoon. They'll probably want to get the most out of him if they can trade him. And he should still be hitting that good ballpark for at least half a year. So I just find myself falling back on him as a bench optionist at third base. And we both like Brian Anderson. I think we—he's expected to be healthy. Shoulder injury. He's—he uh, had surgery. It, it was corrected. He should be ready for the start of the year. Kind of, you know, what to get you're going to get 250, 260, about 20, 25 home runs. Nothing flashy, fun, but that's bankable. And you—you you know, he's going to play every day for the Marlins. Um, yeah, pretty much. That's—I mean, all these guys have like Hassan King. Kim, could he finally? Can he be a thing after a slow start last year? Come around, adjust, you know, having a chance to adjust to MLB pitching. Joey Wendell, you know, he'll play a fair share, give you a little bit of batting average, a little bit of speed. Yandy Diaz, the ultimate what if with those biceps. Um, yeah. Evelyn Doria, the eight, apparently the ageless wonder. DH should help him. Um, same with Wilmer Flores. The problem is that the Giants have a lot of DH capable guys. There is one name here I know you might want to talk about. He's going 38th <laughs> off the board as the 38th uh, third baseman. You seem to be in on him pretty heavily. Jose Miranda. Yeah, it's your boy. I'll give you a chance to shout him out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we saw what he did in the minors last year. I mean, he had an incredible year. He had 30 home runs, and he absolutely crushed the ball. And for me, like, 
especially doing these draft and holds, like where I've gotten Donaldson, I've made sure to back him up with Jose Miranda because I do think that Miranda gets a shot. I, I do like that he can kind of play all over the diamond as well. So um, I, I love love the uh, the contact ability. So when when I am looking at prospects to take, I mean this is this is the profile that that you want to look for. Someone who is very close to the majors. Um, he played uh, majority of his season last year in AAA already. Only struck out 13% of the time, um, and he absolutely crushed the ball. So, I mean, he is better against lefties. I could see him maybe coming up and initially just kind of being a, like in a platoon against against lefties, depending on, you know, who's healthy and who's available. But, yeah, like, especially, like, in these drafting holds, he's not someone that I'm drafting, like, um, in a in a fab league right now. Uh but like in these drafting holds, yeah, he he's if I'm drafting a prospect, like he's exactly the kind that I'm going to be looking for. Someone who's really close, uh, with great contact ability, who can crush the ball, and yeah, I mean he showed he could do that last year with, with his 30 home runs, and he had 345 in Double A, 343 in Triple A. I, I mean I, I think he absolutely deserves a chance to show what he can do in the majors. Uh, and now we're getting deep. I mean that's <laughs> we're going down to like post 400 guys. The can Carter Keyboom ever be a thing? <laughs> He's gonna have an <laughs> have opportunity no this year, right? Man, I, I, I feel like he was like an out of nowhere prospect, and then like I feel like he came out of nowhere, like he was not really a huge prospect, ended up being like a top prospect. Now he's back to being like exploited and not the greatest. Like MLB has MLB pitching has really, really hindered his progress or progression. I guess I don't know. I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and tidbit of the night. Rognit Odor is only 27 years old. Just that's, share that's that. crazy. That that blows my mind. Sorry, 28 now. He turned 28. Still, the fact that he's not 30, 31, 32, that's the part that blows my mind. Seriously. Yeah, no kidding. But yes, that part I'd share. So um appreciate everyone listening. <laughs> that's gonna be how we end the show. Rognit Odor is 28 years old. Uh, Mazar, I think, is only 28 too. Anyways, don't forget to check us out on SK Playbook. Check out our our uh, chat two ninety nine for the Discord. Appreciate anybody who joins. Uh, don't forget to rate rate us on your way out. Five star rating review goes a long way. We really appreciate it. Um, I think that's everything. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. George is at Roto underscore Nino. And of course, until next time, we'll talk to you all later. Bye.